You've tuned into the Bellingham Podcast for the week of May 17, 2020. This is episode 155. From that now semi-lockdown city by the Salish Sea, I am AJ Barsay, one half of your Pacific Northwest gregarious dynamic duo of the Bellingham Podcast. And on this episode, this is a solo episode. Uh, in, in times past, when something comes up in either my life or Chris's life, we turn to a series that Chris developed about two years ago called our Community Connection Conversation Series. Well, this is my Community Conversation Connection COVID edition of the series. On this episode, digitally, we sit down with the two founders of what I called a couple episodes back, the best hot sauce I've ever had in my life, Hosa. Now, Hosa is based right here in Bellingham, Washington. They are a local company that sources local goods for to create their, their concoction. And on this episode, we sit down with the founders, one who is an artist and the other an alchemist. And between the two of them, tastiness. So sit back and enjoy episode 155. So if you remember way back, I called out this epic hot sauce that I could not get enough of. And I said on the show, if they knew what was good for them, they would reach out to us here on the show. By gosh, I actually have two founders of the best ding dong hot sauce I've ever had in my life. On the show, we have Andy and Jacob of Hosa Hot Sauce. Guys, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having us. I'm, I'm talking to you over Zoom. So face to face, let me tell you, the best hot sauce I've ever had. Well, I, I, I can agree without too much conflict of interest uh, in a sense because um, Andy invented it and I came on board because I was transformed by the sauce. So. I'm with you. I'm in your camp. I'm just happy this is an audio presentation, so you can't see me blushing. <laughs> it's, uh, no, I appreciate it. I'm really happy to hear it. Yeah, thanks for sending me a, a well-loved cardboard message yeah. in the mail, guys. Like, I was just like, as soon as I saw that in, in, in with the bottles, it was funny because like, I saw it and it was like the invoice, and then I, like, I dropped it, and it was on our, our garage. And one day I was going out to grab the motorcycle, and I picked it up, and I noticed you guys' message on the back, and I'm like, oh, dudes! Yeah. Dude, all right, this is awesome. I was, I was packaging as I was listening to the podcast, uh, and and so I what and this is it was such you know serendipitous timing, but I wrote the original message, which was just like thanks, you know, Andy and Jacob, and then I heard your unsponsored review, and I immediately had to flip and like I ran out of room. Let's do this again. So no, no, no. I I was I was super stoked listen to that episode and and i can't understate how proud both jacob and i are of, of having this sort of unsponsored and, and actually being able to see this kind of feedback and hear this kind of feedback um we're we're distant from one another you know he's in seattle i'm up here in bellingham we talk as often as we can but we don't get face-to-face -face partnership styles um we don't hmm. we don't have the luxury of that you know we're we're a very collaborative duo um and we're very much you know, uh, again, actually, you know, part of this, like, we work really well together for very specific reasons, much like pieces in a clock, much like our ingredients. And, you know, we try to emulate our own lives and the things that we do and create. But it was very nice to hear that kind of feedback, because we don't really get to do that for each other very often, given our circumstance, you know, we, we get 
we get what we get. <laughs> so Hosa, uh, H-O-S with a lazy S, A, uh, you guys were fa- uh, founded in 2016 and here in Bellingham, Washington, if I read correctly. That's correct. Yeah, we, we that was when our, our company started. Uh, the idea started a few years before I was working at Colshan and Street Food Food Truck, local local to Bellingham here, was parked outside pretty frequently. And with that brewing uh, experience, I was very much into fermentation, took a little bit of a detour, uh, decided to do some experimentation at home, fermenting vegetables, and then uh, ended up sharing it with James Pitzer, owner of Street Food, great friend of ours, uh, who is also great friends with Brent Cole, uh, the owner publisher of What's Up Magazine here in town. And that was actually where the company started. He came to me, said, I got a hold of this sauce that you shared with James. We sh-, and he jokingly said it. He's like, we should start a hot sauce company. And in the same moment, I was thinking, and this was several years before I actually got out of the brewing world. I was like, yeah, you know what? I got to get out of the brewing world. So let's do that. Um, and so began my exit strategy out of uh, brewing in Bellingham, or being in the brewing scene in Bellingham. And yeah, and so fast forward to 2016, we had gotten all our ducks in a row, modified you know the recipe from its original form into what falls into our 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 brand, which is simple ingredients, consistent fermentation, and and trying to be as diverse a sauce as we possibly can, while also being an extremely well-made and thoughtful sauce. Uh, to present for you, the consumer. So, uh, but yeah, that's sort of the nutshell. Well, and that's and that's what drew me and my wife uh, to your sauce. Honestly, is is that as I've mentioned on the show, like uh, my my family is laden in allergies. I am fortunately uh, am not. I'm basically a dumpster and can eat everything. But because of them, I you know our our household. You know, there is at least 12 allergies on any given day that will put either my wife or my son in the hospital. And one of the ones that is absolutely brutal on us for my son is garlic, the alum family. And I can tell you pretty much, oh, I don't know, 99% of any hot sauce ever created by humankind has it in it. So being a guy who likes hot sauce, or I thought I liked hot sauce until I I met you guys and this tasty golden amber of the gods, if you ask me, you don't use garlic. And on top of that, you're a fermented hot sauce. Can you tell me why why fermented hot sauce? Is that like a thing? Or like is all hot sauce fermented? Not all hot sauce is fermented, but more hot sauce is fermented than you might think. Um, Top top names, Tabasco is fermented. Mm. You know, Crystal is most likely fermented. I bet you that the chilies used in in Frank's Red Hot are probably fermented, but they don't necessarily advertise it because they're they're not raw. And it's a it's an aging thing, Louisiana style hot sauce. You throw all these peppers from the harvest in barrels, and that's just your natural preservative technique, blending it with salt. And that you know that's a practice you know hundreds of years old you know to be able to preserve your food. That's the the hard why, but the you know the soft why is it's just intriguing to me. You know I really love the idea that you can create something um, from scratch that started as one thing and then through this sort of metamorphosis becomes an entirely new item. As for garlic, I really want to touch on, I love garlic, but I hate kitchen sink sauces. And when we got into, you know, craft beer, craft hot sauce, craft food product, you know, you struggle to find a unique identity in what is now like an ocean of boutique products. And 
you know, a big part of what I loved in the craft beer scene was Chuckanut. Chuckanut sticks to their guns every single time. They're traditional. They make great product. I don't drink anymore, um, but when I did, Chuckanut was my absolute favorite watering hole. And uh, and it's it's just one of those things where that admiration of consistency to a simple recipe to uh, a true form is what I'm inspired by. Not only that, though, I'm, I'm intrigued and I enjoy everyone else's, you know, let's throw seasonings in this and make a really unique Saison, or let's experiment with these hops and make a really cool pale ale, or hot sauce, for example, let's use, you know, a berry and blend that in. You know, I'm not opposed to any of that, and I really enjoy eating that myself, but if I'm going to make something I want it to be adaptable to every individual as, as, as adaptable as possible. And that's why I don't use garlic because garlic is in every single sauce. And garlic is also in almost any cuisine around the world. It's, it's a very, very over, not overused, but appropriately used spice. And our goal really is to be both a condiment and an ingredient and kind of redefine what hot sauce is being used for. Uh, AJ, you said that you were a hot sauce guy, and it, I was not. I'm, I was not a hot sauce guy. I thought I didn't like hot sauce because basically I found, found them really busy and um, mostly used to just obliterate food. But with Hosa, I found that it was really something I could integrate into stuff. I eat like a kid trapped in a carnival. Like I don't eat very well, <laughs> and, and I need <laughs> to eat better. And it like allowed me to see how I could start, you know, eating vegetables with a little more spice and this kind of thing. And, you know, I've gotten more aware of how I eat, but it's like, to me, the whole fermentation thing is part of that, that, that I, I would get really wrapped up in symbology and, and the meaning behind things. And like, why do we make this? We make this because it's really simple. Um, and it's fascinating to see how those ingredients interact with each other. I mean, we're just three ingredients. We're chilies, vinegar, and salt. And then sometimes we're sugar. And I just find it fascinating. The limitations that we impose on it kind of create some creativity for us. And like Hosa, the whole meaning of Hosa is a distillation of the words hot sauce. So it's trying to get to the, the core. For us, the, it, we just find there's a lot of meaning in this. And the way that we put it out into the world, we really like community. You know, Bellingham is this amazing community. I, I miss it. I actually live in Seattle, but I kind of came of age up there in Bellingham and um, shooting for What's Up magazine. I was their first photographer. But we just have this great community up there. And like, it's really fun to see how people can react to some mundane thing like hot sauce. You know, it's just, why can't hot sauce be as exciting as, you know, beer, much less a band or, you know, your favorite books, you know, it's, it's just, it's cool to be able to make something that just in your everyday life, you can be kind of excited about. Oh, I, I never thought I could be excited about hot sauce, gentlemen. Like, um, I mean, I was excited <laughs> the fact that you didn't have my son's allergen in it, but right. to, to, to rewind, like when I say I was a hot, I'm a hot sauce guy. I am one of those guys that crave a, what, what Hosa really stands for, like that core, clean, um, almost essentialist palette where I don't like hot sauce. I like hot yeah. sauce. I don't like the, the spicy, oh my gosh, gut-wrenching, let me be in a competition to see who can get the highest Scoville <laughs> units, um, third degree burn after 24 hours later. Like I am not that guy. I like, I like flavorful spice and you guys 
did it. Like that's what this is. And it goes with anything. So when we when we stumbled upon your hot sauce, we were at the the co-op here locally in, in Bellingham. And we, my, my wife was just like, yeah, it's a little bit pricey, but doesn't have our son's allergies in it. So we bought like, you know, three of everything. And we got a hold of Hot Earth, which mm. is now sold out. And yeah. I, I got to say, anybody who's listening to the show who thinks that they love Red, Frank's Red Hot Sauce, if you have a bottle of Hot Earth, I guarantee you, you will do what I did, which is the remainder little bit of Frank's Hot Sauce that you have in your fridge, you will pour out down the sink because literally hot earth is what Frank's hot sauce should be. In my opinion, tell me a little bit about why you guys do limited run sauces. Like that's, that's kind of crazy. Like you have, you have your essentials. We should probably start with like the essentials. You got the original, the talisman and the teacher. The teacher. The teacher is and the then third, yeah. Chris will love this. You guys are so minimal that you don't have a lot of ingredients. You know, why do you do limited run uh, sauces and how does that work within the fermentation process? Because I mean, time is of the essence, I'm presuming, in this product, right? It is because we're both creative people and we both come from creative background. You said the thing about Frank's Red Hot. Like, if you're into that, that's fine. That's cool. It's like, yeah, we don't want to be an expensive hot sauce. That's not the goal. Um, you know, it's it's if it if it turns you on, we want you to have Hosa. Um, we think there's reasons for it, but like. There's a, this is all a very, very much a creative culmination for, I think, both Andy and I, and sort of redirecting some of our, our bad energies into good energies. We both come from, you know, the rock band life background. Um, Andy's still in bands. And just, you know, we know a lot of creative people. I work in publishing. I work with some of the world's best artists. And so I'm just used to this, harnessing these energies into making this. And Andy does that with hot sauce. So part of it is just like harnessing our creative energies. So we want limited edition sauces. We want to try out new things. We want to see what does this chili do with this vinegar? And it just happens that we have a platform now where we can sell it when we experiment. And so, you know, thus enters Andy. A lot, lot, lot of unpacking here. Um, point one, Frank's Red Hot. I grew up on that and it is so wonderful. Like absolutely one of the coolest things I can hear to have someone tell me that Hot Earth, my current favorite runoff to date, um, is what Frank's is supposed to be. Thank you. That is wonderful. Um, I love garbage sauce. I loved garbage beer. To speak of rock bands, I also love garbage music. I was a big punk kid for a long time, and that is not your classically trained musical theory, you know, savant type music. It's all about, you know, instincts, first impressions, you know, just being a little bit of brash. And, and that is sort of the metaphorical emotion I like to put into, into food. The one-offs are, are, like Jacob says, a way to sort of fuel or, or to, to open a door for, for some of our creative outlets. A lot of it also comes down to something as, as um, fundamental as supply chains. You know, we have an opportunity to work with a lot of really great farms in the area. And because our resources are limited and space is limited and investment of time, you know, it takes a year, you know, less than a year technically, but it's a year to plan and to grow and to harvest a collection of chilies. And not every farm in the area is willing, you know, to, to put up, you know, so many acres to, to grow X amount of chilies. And uh, so we work really closely with Cloud Mountain 
Farms in Everson. We're really, really fortunate to get a, a connection with them through Brent Cole, one of our original partners. And that, that relationship has been ongoing. And they've been growing with us, growing more and more chilies every year. So hopefully our limited runs will become expanded as far as availability is concerned. So Hot Earth will have a little more next year. And it's going to come back in winter. And then, of course, back to the originals, you know, like standard talisman and a teacher, you know, all these different recipes are, you know, we have limitations on recipes, but so do beer. So does beer. You know, beer is malt, hops, you know, yeast and water. And you have so many different styles regionally and then regional subcategories. You're up in hundreds. And then you have personal brewer preference, you're into thousands of variations. The idea is that there are so many more choices than, than are, are immediately at, super, at the superficial level. And I want to make it a point to explore something like that if I'm going to invest so much time and energy. Because time is our currency, you know, like that's, you know, we as the business owners are putting as much time as we physically can into this. And we want to do what we want to do while we do that. Um, I also like that you don't necessarily love the super spicy type thing neither do we really i'm i'm no stranger to spice but if it makes if, if you're if you're eating capsaicin you're not eating nutritious food hmm. capsaicin of course is the heat providing element of the chilies and and you know your carolina reapers in you know your your mega death hot sauces not tm not actual 80s rock band mega death but mega tongue death hot sauces you know i don't <laughs> I don't really personally enjoy getting a hole drilled in my tongue, you know, with a drop <laughs> of hot sauce. So going back to the the, the mashup of uh, a little bit of art, artistry and uh, alchemy here, uh, Andy being the the alchemist of spice, and Jacob the ar- the artisanal side. Who came up with the all of the the labeling of Hosa is Skookum, like the 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 art. Who who's the artist of the bunch? How do you guys source this? Is this a local artist? What you know? Each bottle has its own painted looking thing on the glass. Like I don't want to recycle my bottles half the time, and I go through you guys' sauce like water. So what's the story behind the art? Well, that's that's very nice to hear, and uh, major bonus points for using the term Skookum. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's me. Um, so I have a visual arts background and uh, an alchemy fixation and um, trying to avoid too many stereotypes with the alchemy and too much of the like unapproachable iconography of alchemy. I want each bottle to feel like a, a, a new album from your favorite band, you know, like it has its own identity, it, but it's all kind of got a through line. So you can be stoked on this and and like get imprinted with um, the imagery and then try to figure out why that relates to the sauce and things. But, you know, it's like the teacher is based on the Icarus myth. And so, you know, there's these feathers that are kind of burning up towards the sun and dripping down below. And like I said, I like to bring some meaning to everyday life. It's, it's a lot more exciting if people stop putting limitations on what it means to be a commercial product. Like we, we want to sell this. We want to make this our, you know, full-time business, but we also want to really believe in it. And hopefully other people can get on board and believe in it too. I use a lot of stuff like the wise chili is what we call on the standard bottle. So that all goes into the alchemy thing because fermentation is the fifth process of alchemy. But you know, you've got like this arrow going down for the death of the chilies and the key coming up to unlock these this whole new life that gets, that gets bred with the uh, fermentation process because there's whole biospheres being made. You know, it's just, it's, it's exciting to 
to make a product, but actually still like show that art can have some relevance in in life. That that's one of the biggest things that kind of spoke to me. I mean, your guys' brand branding, and I'm using air quotes on a podcast here, is like like I said, I could I could tell that there was some sort of uh, either artisanal or alchemical. Uh, relevance to it because each of the sauces has its own personality. It's like when I talk about the standard, oh, by the way, my son likes to call the, the main chili skull ah. Coco, by the way, everything is that's a oh, skull is Coco sure. from Coco, Disney's sure. Coco. So that's Coco. Yeah. But no, like all of your sauces are characters, you know, and that's really kind of interesting to do in the food space because so right. often like the, the chef is really like the persona around the food, but in your guys's case, like, your sauce, each sauce is a character. Yeah, it's cool that you you respond to it that way because I, that, you know, like I said, I, it should be like albums. It should be like things, like there's no reason people can't be passionate about silly things like hot sauce, you know, and it just happens <laughs> to be hot sauce. So let's, let's bring in, let's bring in a little bit of that, that alchemical side. So to ferment from, so obviously Andy, you're sourcing a ton of stuff locally. Exactly. It'll depend on the season. You know, so so the Northwest is not a native chili growing. That's what area. I was wondering. How, however, however, um, advances in agriculture, which I am not an expert, I am learning as we go, and I'm and very grateful to be learning all these things, you know, through, again, I'm, I'll name Jock Cloud Mountain Farm Center, um, you know, uh, Slanted Sun, or, uh, also in Everson, and in the, in the very near future, Boldly Grown down in the valley are some of the farms we've been connected with and talking to and and each of these are have taught me a very specific thing one way or another about the agricultural world and it's really really important to know where your food comes from and and we do, we definitely try to fall back on that not just from are you supporting a local economy but are you supporting you know the benefits of an environmental impact you know the, the farther food has to travel to get to you the less ideal. So we do actually try to make as much of our uh, ingredients come from a local setting as possible. That does not mean that everything does because sometimes it's just not available. Typically the farthest things come from though is California. So we are we are able to get something pretty close regionally as, as far as like the I-5 corridor and we're making every step to plan. Cloud Mountain has been gracious enough to expand the square footage that they're allowing for peppers to grow. And part of this is a five-year plan you know, again, it's baby steps towards that that full local sourcing. But you know, it is worth noting that you know we've been we've been able to receive some accolades from a Good Food Foundation, who is you know basically sets up criteria for their products and recognition of those products to have an effort for locally sourced. So our our standard is met from their eyes, and we're pretty grateful for that and stoked about that. Good Food Foundation, of course, is uh, based in San Francisco, and something definitely worth looking up if, if you uh, are interested in uh, a good environmental and a good economic impact for local products. So once you get all these ingredients, what, I mean, what do you get, what do you do? Like throw it in a big vat like beer and just, you know, walk away. How long does the fermentation process typically do on, on one of your cast of characters and your galleries of personas? Uh, it, it'll vary. You know, we, one thing, one thing from my beer production background, one thing that that taught me is that, you know, um, art is sort of, I wouldn't say an enemy of science, but it's definitely a frenemy. Um, you know, artists are consistently wanting to innovate and create and add something new and, uh, and science, you know, is just looking to basically prove a success and then maybe disprove it down the line for something better. Um, but not quite as frequently or as impulsively as the artist might want to change something. 
And so I've, I've locked in a pretty standardized uh, fermentation schedule for most of the sauces, with a few exceptions that haven't been released yet because it's just not time. Um, we model our fermentation system based on sauerkraut. Um, and a lot of sauerkraut uh, fermentation styles are usually four to six weeks. And oh, wow. so we're within that range. We, we ha keep it in a minimum of six weeks. And the primary function of fermentation is nuanced flavors, nuanced aromas. Um, and all that can have you know, varying degrees of, of change with temperature of fermentation and whatnot. Um, but the other key factor is acidification, and that's the preservative quality. And so you really only need a couple days to drop that acidity, but you allow yourself uh, a lot more, lot more time to really let all that stuff lock in and let that product be what you really want to. And so we've, we've selected basically six weeks is our average ferment time to really get that to where we want it to be. But fundamentally, it is what you said, AJ. Every chili is hand stemmed and put into a vessel and and left there to sit in the dark for six weeks. Wow, that's rad. And we have one that's probably we have one that's over a year old, actually a ferment that's been sitting in our fermentation huh. chamber. We we uh, the, that reason is partially was was a product of convenience and also now it's a set up for an experiment. And you know, I don't know when we'll put this out. You know, we we, we left it in the tank on a whim. We'll bottle it on a whim. It's just one of those things where we haven't really decided where that's going yet, but eventually something really cool is going to come out. Well, I, th I think you leaked what the name is going to be, The Whim. The Whim. <laughs> well, and and I, as you know, we do love the names. Um, it's... Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I noticed. Yeah, the, the, the Whim. Yeah, The Whim sounds pretty good. We, we thought about The Root. Oh, I don't okay. know, you know, it's like, you know, because it's one of the original batches that we just sort of left in. and So so off the mic, Andy, you and I were talking about that. You listened to the, the Zulu Alpha episode of the Analog Explorer edition of the show, and you were intrigued by, you know, my, kind of my fascination with watches and stuff. And, and you had an interesting take because you were kind of bridging kind of what the, the watch fam sees in, in watch enthusiasm to hot sauce and hot sauce enthusiasm. And what I, what I kind of found interesting is you kind of drew this juxtaposition that you know, hot sauce and, and horology, you know, a watch is a sum of its parts of gears connecting together to tell time. But on the flip side, uh, the, the wearer kind of puts a personality into it and the experiences and thus the watch kind of has its own personality. In your sauce, how and what makes the, the sum of its components, the chili, the water, the, the vinegar. So, so what's your guys' secret sauce in trying to get that hot sauce enthusiast to uh, get that story of each individual character of your your sauces. You know, fundamentally, a recipe is design, and um, design is a recipe, I guess. And I think there's a lot to be said for the way things interlock and and the character it brings. And like, I'm primarily a book designer. That's what I do for a living. And so a lot of art books and pop culture books, and they all come down to three basic forms. There's the type, the image, and the page. And then every single book you see is made up of those three things, but they're all so wildly varied because of the, the character of what's involved in the material. I, I think the main takeaway is that design is important. I think that, that thoughtfulness in what you put into a creation is important, but it's also equally important to respect both sides of this path, you know, the, the, both the beginning uh, and origin and the destination. So from us, the creator, to you, the consumer. And it's really, really 
amazing when we get to hear, you know, people appreciate the thought that we put into it, meaning, you know, the fact that we're uh, accessible to a range of diets, be it plant-based, uh, be it carnivorous, uh, omnivorous, you know, different, whatever, if there's any spiritual sense of diet, we hope that, you know, eventually we can connect those dots. Um, we really want to be respectful of everyone's perspective coming to us. And so, and again, that limitation though, of, of being as broad as possible, it's kind of exciting to see that as a challenge to use such simple components and make something so broad. So, so strength and core and, and a solid design, I think is not to be, um, uh, ignored, I guess, and it should, you know, and not to be taken for granted. So, so again, it's comes back to gratitude to be able to continue that journey and to continue the, seeing those challenges and hopefully succeed at them. Well, that looks like a really good way to wrap up this episode. So if people wanted to find out more about either you, Andy, or, or Jacob individually, or about Hosa, where might they find you? Me personally, if, if you really want to, um, you can search me on Instagram, pale blue ale. I occasionally post recipes, um, with my uh, with my experience in the kitchen with hot sauce, I am not a recipe designer. I'm a very pinch of this, handful of that kind of cook. So if you want, you know, this other than other than Hosa, I am not scientific with recipes whatsoever. So if you're interested in that kind of cooking, feel free to follow me on Instagram, um, uh, and I'll let uh, Jacob actually drop the the Hosta Instagram and whatnot. As for where to find us locally, we strongly recommend that you shop local at the co-op, Carne, Old World Deli. Hopefully, you know, we see these stores reopen. The pandemic has has not forgotten to impact us up here, even if it feels like sometimes we haven't. And I really do strongly encourage everyone to, you know, really be thoughtful of those around you. Um, we really do want everyone to make sure that they're taking care of those around them. And if you're going out, limit your interactions outside. Um, try to consolidate stuff. And, and so carne is an excellent place to buy meat locally and also hot sauce amongst a bunch of other locally made products. And, uh, and, and of course I wouldn't be naming so many more, but unfortunately the pandemic has closed those doors, but I hope that we don't offend anybody by leaving them out for that reason. Well, and that's something we're really finding is, you know, at this time, like I know I feel really obligated to be supporting the community I want to see survive. Like, yeah, same here. you know, we're all in fear about, you know, what is our income going to be like in, you know, X number of months, or even some people, unfortunately, are unemployed right now. Yeah. So it's like whatever people are able to do within the reality of what they're going through right now. And I'm just really becoming more of an advocate for this idea that, you know, Bellingham in particular has a really special community. And that has fostered like, who I am as a person, even though I'm living in Seattle now. And I, I really value what Bellingham does, the type of creative people that, you know, not, not just in the arts, but in the kitchens, in these restaurants that, that serve Hosa, and then also, you know, the, the shops. But anyway, you can check out Hosa at uh, hosasauce.com, and that's just H-O-S-A for those who don't know. And then we're on Instagram, and then you can check out unflown.com, which is my uh, design site. And then Andy is also in two local bands, uh, No Guts and Sagonist. But yeah, thanks for doing this. Thanks for being part of, you know, what's good about the Bellingham community and, and yeah. trying to spotlight people. You guys are the goods in my book, and, and Chris's book, even though Chris isn't here, but Chris would say the same. You're the goods. 
That's my, my best <laughs> Chris Powell impression. And that wraps up this edition of the Bellingham Podcast. Thank you again so much for listening to us, rating us, reviewing us, wherever you like to get our podcasts. Remember, if you are in the Bellingham area, you might be tuning into us over the air on Bellingham's very own KMRE 102.3 FM. They're community powered and also streaming at KMRE.org. So on that note, from the city by the Salish Sea, I am AJ Barce, and hopefully Chris Powell and I will both be back on the mics next week. Everybody stay healthy and keep your distance.